We are a group of friends bound by our appreciation for liberty and good podcasting. Free-minded thinkers from all walks of life, our values come together with one accord to discuss the common culture and news of the day, along with whatever random crap is going on in our lives. Welcome to the Union of the Unknowns. Welcome to another edition of Union of the Unknowns. And today we have a special guest, um, Miriam, which I'll introduce last, even though I kind of just did a soft introduction, but I want to get everybody else uh, introduced. And then we're going to also show her amazing documentary that she has been putting together. Um, so from my left, Terry from Canary. Hey, Terry. Hello. <laughs> Uh, we have Toons Tyranny, and we also have Ashley. Hello. <laughs> Toons looks kind of frozen. And then Miriam, um, do you want to just do like a soft introduction? And then I'd love to show um, part of your uh, documentary. And Stella. Hi, Stella. <laughs> oh, and Stella. Hello. Stella's on. Hey, Stella. Yeah, Sorry, I was looking at the videos. No drama. Okay. All right. Miriam, do you want to just yes. give us a little bit of a highlight? Yeah. I am an investigative journalist of uh, 25 plus years. I hail from Montreal, Canada, and uh, I'm best known for directing the film Vanishing of the Bees. I've been covering medical freedom and vaccine safety since 2012. And in the past couple of years under the Rona regime, I've become quite censored but I won't let them silence me. No. I was saying the other day, or a bunch of us were saying this the other day, I was like, we all just kind of made it when they were putting all the pressures for um, the vax and all that stuff that we just made it without uh, still being able to like function in society and do what we needed to do without having to uh, take it. So that was a blessing. Um, you have an amazing new documentary that's going to be coming out, uh, and I'd love to just share a snippet of it here. Yes, this um, is the trailer. So, yep, your trailer. Here we go. Third precinct is up in the flames. We begin with breaking news in South Minneapolis. Caught on tape, a black man pinned to the ground, later dying after a white officer kneeled on his neck. It started with a report of a forgery in progress and ended with Floyd's death. The situation has become volatile in the third police precinct tonight. As police officers and protesters clash over a man's death. Frustration pouring into the streets of America. I can't breathe! It all stems from this video. Yeah. 
man, I'm scared as fuck, man. You must have breathing. That's a reason to drop on me. See, I can't, I can't joke. I can't breathe. Love it. That's it's my ex. He got a thing going on. I'm telling you what about this. He have problems. Not move, not one time, bro. He's off track right now. But yeah, bro, go deep. back in the store. What happened to him? Fuck up. All right. They fucked up. Fuck up. You took your ID? Yeah. Oh, what happened? Or down at Cup Foods? Uh, Cup Foods, yeah. Uh, it was just a forgery report. The person that had given the fake bill, we went over there and, yeah, just... Plus yeah. bananas? Yeah. Well, that is uh, crazy. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of questions. Um, before we go anywhere, this is also the site to where to go donate, um, towards the documentary and we'll have the link in the show notes. So please go and help Miriam out, spread the truth about what has happened. <laughs> As you know, in society, when truth starts to come out, controlled opposition really wants to silence us and push us in a, like baby in a corner or something like that but listen yeah. we cannot get put in corners you know That's, what I mean like the truth must come out and Miriam thank that. you so much for what you're doing so I what see. inspired you to uh do this documentary you know I, I yeah I never planned to uh, <clears throat> spend two years of my life on George Floyd however as a journalist who started her career at MSNBC in America I uh, noticed early on several lies or omissions, and uh, I was keeping track, keeping track, writing articles, and then the Derek Chauvin trial occurred, and I had, you know, I have 80,000 pages of, I had, of notes. I have the book written out, so I'm like, why don't I write a book, um, another book? And um, it's really to make a statement against the prostitutes and the parrots that are the, the bane of, of our existence, really, this, uh, this mass media that I belong to, that I was a part of. And um, so it's a fascinating story in, in respect to the psyops, or sorry, the, the controlled opposition that Candace just came out with a documentary the other day and I've also just been smeared in a six-part docu-series for Peacock. So I feel that this tag team, whether consciously or not, that, that it's an attack on my attempts to bring out the truth. The information that I sit on, I've been told that I need protection for my life. And I, I'm very anxious to get this out of my system. And despite raising a million dollars for my award-winning film, Vanishing of the Bees, I've had quite a uh, challenge to just raise $15,000 just to pay the editor and cover the thousands of dollars in documents. I purchased all the footage from um, the incident. And this, this documentary 
is not like I'm not making a statement on BLM. There's a lot of books out there on BLM. This the clip that you saw in what my documentary is is the real timeline, and it's in my book. So I'm I thought to myself, well, why don't I just put it together? for myself. And then I thought, okay, I'll make a, I'll make a film so we can visually see what happened from 7.30 to 9.30. And this is the event that ushered in the color revolution that allowed us to go from virus to violence overnight. And I would dare to say, this is the event that they use to help get more jabs in the arms of the number one vaccine hesitant demographics, which are the blacks. So look, oh, look, the government cares about us. Maybe they, you know, it's not going to be the Tuskegee experiment all over again. I, I found in the NIH literal documents looking to the messaging of Black Lives Matter because the Black people know that their lives don't matter. So they literally went and did focus groups. It's amazing. And all that's a part of your documentary, um, revealing it's all part that of stuff. my book. It's part of your my book. book. Okay. My documentary is very specific in that I look at the timeline mm -hmm. to okay. illustrate to people everything that they left on the cutting room floor. I'm very excited to be working with an amazing editor. I'll just say it's Hibbler Productions for now. And we're coming to a, to a, I'm wrapping it up. The book, I still have a little bit to go because I'm very thorough and I'm literally conducting a investigation as I'm, I'm writing. So when I say that I know more about this PSYOP than anyone, I mean it and not in an arrogant way, but I have looked under every nook and cranny regarding George Perry Floyd. So Candace, um, Sorry, can from quick, what can we heard, quick. utilized the clip, I'm assuming, right? From her. Uh, it's not a clip. I mean, this is, this footage is, is there. It's more like, um, someone brought her the trailer and next thing I know she's months later, I find out that she's doing a documentary. And so it uses some of the ideas that I have, but it does, uh, you know, because she's a gatekeeper, she's not going to tell you the truth and the whole truth. That's what's going on in this right now is that people, these influencers are giving you 80% truth, 85% truth, but I want the whole truth and nothing but. Same. Tunes. It was yes, Terry. So help us God. <laughs> Terry, it was Terry that had the question. Oh, uh, I sorry. think Toons did as well, didn't he? Yeah, Toons anyway, did. I'll go, I'll go first, Toons. You can go after me. I, I, I just want to ask, Marion, without giving too much away and not yes. wanting to stop people watching your documentary, what you would think, say the main bits of misinformation that was given out by the mainstream media about this story was? Well, I would say it's more what they left on the cutting room floor, but let's say in creating a composite of George Floyd. So for instance, they said that George graduated from Yates High School in 1993. Well, I interview a, uh, he, he's a man now, but he was a boy and he was at that 1992 game and it's Floyd George. It's not George Floyd. So they're literally using another human being to add substance to this career criminal now nobody is saying justifying that someone should die 
Right. But to be turned into a modern messiah and for Joey B and the likes to compare him to Jesus Christ, this is a conscious move. This is, there's, it's now a hallowed ground in the George Floyd Plaza that nobody can even walk where he took his um, last breath. And, and there, there's argument that he was already dead when they put him on the gurney and that everything that proceeded was just for optics to show that they cared. In reality, when you look at the footage and you see the supposed paramedic, it doesn't look like there's quite of an emergency. They're fuddling. Mm -hmm. If you saw the footage of uh, Thomas Lane in the ambulance, literally doing chest compressions on George, and yet this guy, this rookie, got three years in federal, in state, and two and a half years on the state level for not doing enough. So there's a lot of details that together, when I create a tapestry of truth, you cannot, um, you know, putting all these details together shows a bigger picture of how they lied to us. And if you break it down, the speed in which things happened, in reality, a real investigative uh, investigation would take just about the time I'm taking, you know, two and a half years. It's not this, this Mick, uh, Mick justice and it's not vengeance as justice. The trial, like people are asking me, why did you cover the trial when it's fake? Well, it had very real repercussions. 3000 bills plus have been impacted. And I would also venture to say that this was the duty to intervene live exercise that they use this to be able to change the duty to intervene laws. And they made it seem like those laws were already in place, but they were not because these rookies and what happens in these psyops, because I was really, and I'm still just honestly trying to understand how they put, they, they are able to pull off such a grandiose event, right? And so on one end of the spectrum, you would have the belief that this is an event that after the fact, the media can pluck and use. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum is that, oh, it's all fake. And I'm somewhere in the middle where in my book, I'm, I'm, I'm a journalist, I'm a real journalist. And only in the end will I venture to say, this is my theory, but I'm outlining all the characters and showing you what's behind the veil. And I've done tons of FOIA. I even own George Floyd's debt. So George owes me $20. And I did that so that I can run the social security number and see what I could find, which was a lot. Wow, that sounds like a lot of groundwork to do. Sounds expensive as well. Yeah, it was expensive, but I'm very determined. Of course, I can't compete with the Daily Wire and a Candace with her mm. a billion dollar hubby. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. I got a lot of thoughts here. And uh, this is Tunes from New Hampshire. I'm a little bit uh, not far south from you in Quebec. No, uh, I'm in Florida. I'm definitely oh, okay. not in Comey, okay. Canada. I, and I was living in LA and I just escaped China. I'm glad you escaped. Glad you escaped. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I have a very hard time separating the George Floyd name from 
what happened after. Um, and maybe that's because I'm a grumpy, cis, straight white man that uh, they seem to love to demonize because of yeah. this event. But uh, I don't even know what <sighs> cis is and I don't give a shit to know. I, I loved hearing that. Um, I would say I would say the fact that people are, you know, mainstream in quotes are smearing you kind of gives more credibility in my book at this point. Um, I think anybody on this stream and anybody listening, listening to the stream has uh, less than zero credibility to the mainstream and, and the fact that there are mainstream gates gatekeepers is just obvious. Um, you look into any story beyond the mainstream and uh, I mean, it's all fake. So uh, my, my first question would be, uh, how did you, where did, where did you find your first string to pull on? Where, yeah. where did you find your first lead? How, what, what, what seemed fishy to you? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I, I was in the jungle because I knew this Rona was coming. I just thought it was going to be Ebola. Mm, I write mm. for Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. So mm. I left with uh, my boyfriend at the time, Zach Voorhees, the Google whistleblower. He was making fun of me because I was saying medical martial law. <laughs> and I was in Costa Rica and, jo and, and Zach, mm, it, it was, by the way, it was George Floyd's birthday yesterday, October 14th. So this event happened, it was May 25th, and, and Zach said, Mimi, can you come and choke me? And I was like, what? So he wanted to recreate the George Floyd challenge, and I tentatively, hesitantly stepped on his neck. And I said, you know, Zach, if you really want to know how he died, we need to call the medical examiner. One of the stories, um, when I graduated from journalism, the first story I wrote was on the rising rates of cremation in Montreal, Canada. And when I was in LA, I was working on another story and I befriended some homicide detectives and I had asked them to take me to the coroner's office. So I have a fascination with death and also don't have a fear of death, which has helped me with this, this regime, right? This Rona, because most people are so scared of dying. Anyway, so I called the medical examiner and they told me literally that it would take weeks and weeks and weeks. And then hours later, CNN drops these preliminary findings. And I was like, huh, that's strange. They were starting to sow discord to rile up for what was to come and what was planned, which was these riots parading as, um, as, uh, protests. And so that was the first red flag. Then the next day, I think it's like May 26th, May 27th, I call Giovanni Thunstrom, who is the employer of George at La Conga. And uh, I noticed these broad talking points that seemed to me like I'm, I'm intuitive and I was, I was showing, I was seeing scripts being passed out. Now I know about Tavistock in, thanks, thank you, George. Because of George, I've studied now and still studying Tavistock, which is where the Intel script writers come from. And yes, indeed, mm -hmm. they get these broad talking points. So one of them was like making sure white, black, uh, calling the police on the police. So it seemed he was he was very intent if you remember this event george 
there was liquid coming out of the car. And even I was like, did the guy pee on himself? Is that, so there was, there was that his, his face was bleeding. Well, nobody knows still to this day, George banged his own face against the plexiglass twice, probably so it can start bleeding as part of this, uh, this ruse, which I still, there's some days I think this way, there's other days when I think that way as to what really occurred because people tell me over and over again i don't think george is dead uh, he's not dead but i've seen autopsy pictures because i bought them and he looks pretty dead if you look at um i don't know if either of you any of you have seen the footage of of him inside the ambulance anyway so the call with with um the medical examiner cnn then another thing then the day I think it was the 26th, Bridget Floyd is doing an interview either with TMZ or Good Morning America, and she has a t-shirt. And these are the things that I pay attention to, details, lives matter. She was, mm -hmm. was wearing a t-shirt that said, I can't breathe. And I'm like, oh, are print wow. shirts essential, honey? Where'd you get that shirt? Did someone- Did it have George Floyd's face on it or it just said, I can't no, breathe? No, no, it just said, I can't breathe. So then I went okay. and I did a search- for I did George Floyd, Benjamin Crump, and I can't breathe. And I was like, oh my God, Eric Garner said I can't breathe 11 times. And BLM was also involved uh -huh. and Benjamin Crump was also. So I was like, ah, they're recirculating a slogan. So those things just really sparked my, what's going on here? And of course- They're the giveaways, aren't they? I think so. I'm sorry, Miriam. Yeah. yeah, definitely. You've got to watch out for those. The devil's in the details. Absolutely. I say that all the time. I'm a it Virgo does, rising. I'm all about the details. It does feel very uh, similar to the um, SH trial for Mr. Jones. I don't want to get anybody canceled, but uh, <laughs> um, it, it, it was the, the press conference straight after with the parents that can talk right after their children allegedly died or you know right after your girlfriend or boyfriend or husband or whatever their relationship is you know instantly you can talk to media and not you know choke up and you can actually make a sentence I, I can't imagine that if my wife was killed by a police officer I'd have any interest in speaking to the media the, the following day yeah or, or the coherent. other end or the other end of the spectrum that it's so over the top let's say um, George Floyd's one of his many baby mamas to parade their six-year-old at the time and cry and have all these cameras. How effing selfish are you? Would you? Yeah. I would never subject my child to that. And then let's say, look, Courtney Ross, the supposed fiance that Maurice, Maurice Lester Hall, who was with George that day, he's <clears throat> now in jail, who I did a two-hour exclusive with. That wasn't, Courtney wasn't even his girlfriend, but yet she was there every single, every single court day with her tears on demand and her Kleenex when she wasn't even with the guy. So Miriam, I had a couple of questions too, and I just, um, I 
I don't want to take up a ton of time because I want other people to be able to ask also, but I wanted to tell you that I ended up um, today, looked up your interview that you did with Red Pill News. And so that was a couple of months ago. And that was where I heard you starting to talk about your conversations with Maurice. And you had just heard from him that day that he was going to do the interview. So I definitely want you to talk about that as much as you want to. Yeah, um, thank you. I got the shivers. Yes, that is crazy. So a couple of other things. Um, I wanted to ask, first of all, whenever you started pulling these threads and whenever something was fishy about the George Floyd situation, were you already awake? Like, was it, were you I've been awake? I've been on my path since I was 13. I'm 40. Okay. So you were already totally done with anything like that mainstream was telling you no, no, no. I, I think it's onions, right? It's an onion. It's a layer. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, that's fine. I, I basically was wondering where were you in that onion at that point? No, I still had some peeling to do because I came back from the jungle to vote. So <laughs> still so had a still, yeah, and still I had I, a ways to go on. <laughs> I was too. And I was talking to Stella earlier today and I told her that I was, you know, first of all, I was totally not interested really in the George Floyd thing. Like the, I mean, obviously I was aware of it, but I was so focused on how unconstitutional everything that was happening with COVID lockdowns were. And I was pissed. And I was like this, how are people, I was still in the shock phase of how are people abiding this? How are they believing this? But I was not in a situation where I felt you know, obviously all this time later, all these conversations, researching everything, um, you know, I wasn't really even aware of like the globalist agenda at that point, you know, so it was not on my radar in any way to, to necessarily think that the George Floyd situation was a psyop. I thought that it was being abused or that it was being, you know, used for, for their, their ends, but not nothing compared to everything that I heard you talk about that is mind blowing. Um, the other thing that I wanted to, to say is that, and I'm sure that you know that, oh, Lester Holt. So there is the Lester Lester Holt. Yes. Whenever you were talking about Lester Hall, I was like, is that another layer of this thing? But it's Holt. Um, the other thing that I wanted to ask about when you were talking about the duty to intervene, do you feel like part of, or that, Uvalde is also connected in this way because that's something that I've been wondering about because you had the fact that you had a local police department in Uvalde, Texas that apparently had had, you know, plenty of SWAT gear. They had done run-throughs of this type of situation and yet when it was happening the day of, they didn't act, they kept parents from acting and then it was federal agents that ended up coming in to save what was left of the day okay so let's start with that I need to see things myself Mm -hmm. to be able to make a statement from a journalistic point of view so from the outside I haven't looked into Uvalde but as it was happening I'm like wow this is the messiest psyop false flag ever this is so sloppy but now was it meant to be sloppy? Because in regards to the AJ trial, which is a joke that like, for instance, they're doing a sidebar and 
everybody's hearing them. It's like the whole point of a sidebar is you're doing, you're so you're whispering out loud and everyone can see you. The behavior, just doing a sw scan energetically, this is a joke because who is on trial? We are to be able to question anything. Mm, and now it's exactly. going to, it's going to be. So that's what's really on trial. Would I listen to, <clears throat> to, Alex Jones, I have been since 9-11. I don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Do I think he's counter intel? Yeah, absolutely. I think that they include red herrings in their psyops and they enjoy watching the people go down the wrong rabbit hole because it then gives more ammo to be able to to uh, punish us or put us in our place for questioning reality. So in regards to, let's say, Maurice, from the outside, Maurice is with George. He tells the officer, because I watched the videos over and over <clears throat> again, and I'm paying attention to what is being said while George, what's going on with George, what, what's being said. So based on that conversation, I was able to suss out or have a hunch that Maurice was an informant. And there's also a cover-up in Cup Foods, which I will wait for the documentary and the book. So when you look at Maurice, he escapes. He gets arrested on June 2nd in Houston as a fugitive out of state. This is just me reading the court docket and inferring. The very next day, all the charges are dropped from his whatever other, you know, he's, a, he's also a, a felon, a convicted felon. Everything is dropped. So June 2nd, arrested. June 3rd, sealed. The case is sealed. June 4th, he's doing Good Morning America. Really? And he's found to have the beginnings of intellectual disability. You've probably heard some of this, Ashley. So, so as all, all mentally ill convicts get on Good Morning America. Right. So I thought this guy gave his friend drugs. He set him up. Maybe George wasn't supposed to die. Maybe that wasn't the plan, but it went awry because you're dealing with fake fentanyl from the Mexican cartel. So then I find, I pull a FOIA and I'm like, oh my God, he is an informant, at least for a hot minute. They promised Maurice that he would be a key witness for whatever reason. Well, whatever reason, they dropped it because they could not take a risk. They totally gaslit medical examiner Andrew Baker and the world to just put under the rug any semblance that this guy gobbled drugs and had a lethal dose of fentanyl and other drugs, right? So we couldn't, they couldn't take a risk with Maurice. So that meant that Maurice was going to go and testify on behalf of Derek. That's not going to happen. So he pleads the fifth. They, so he was promised all these things. Now I later found out. So now I get the FOIA and I have his phone number. And I call him and he picks up and I was surprised. He thinks I'm a Washington, a, um, a journalist with the Washington post. And he tells me to approach my team and see if there's any interest to buy footage of him and George at Chuck E. Cheese. So when you saw the video, probably I had just done an exclusive, like 
as God would have it, I end up doing a two-hour exclusive with Maurice Lester Hall the day of his George Floyd's the the anniversary um, of this event. So what I then I lose touch with Maurice, and I have to say I thought that he was scum, and when I spoke to Maurice. I, for whatever reason, really felt with him, felt we, we connected. We spoke for a duration of two weeks before we did the interview and he disappeared. Then he called me before we did the interview and he's like, Mimi, I'm going to go with you. And to me, it's like, this is God. God knows how hard I've worked for me too. I also got the opportunity to interview Chris Martin, who was the boy who took the the 20, because somehow I was put in touch with him. I didn't interview him on camera, but we did an interview and I gleaned a lot. So we do the interview, Maurice and I, then I lose track of him again. And I'm like, oh my God, did he go to jail? And uh, by speaking to him, I'm trying, he's still like focusing on the fact, he even said uh, that that Maurice, that uh, George didn't do drugs that day. Okay, buddy. I don't believe believe that, but by speaking to him, you know, the system is racist. The system doesn't give a shit. They've, the CPS has taken away Maurice's child. And then what really struck me is that no one from the Floyd family ever met with Maurice. And now I've learned that they've never even gone back to pick, the family has never gone to pick up any of George Floyd's belongings. Mm. Very weird. I have something else that I'm sitting on that is explosive. And I found it through working with the PI, but I'm not able to, to confirm what it is that I'm looking for. We're looking at any case. So I called a, a mentor, someone who's been mentoring me on this. It's Joel Gilbert, who did the Trayvon Martin hoax, who shows without a shadow of a doubt that Crump committed witness fraud and he kind of told me do you think they recirculated all of Maurice's charges and now he's in jail so he got the warrant the day after he and I did the interview and so it was kind of hinted to me that perhaps I'm the reason why now who the hell am I but I, I think Maurice is in jail right now because there's a trial that's happening on the 24th of the two remaining officers. And um, this is far from over. There's going to have oral arguments for um, Derek's appeal. And Derek is also going to, you know, he has a tax evasion, hmm. tax evasion trial. Anyway, so thanks that that's, so then I contacted Maurice's mom. So when you start speaking to the mom, you know, was he involved as I thought? Was he a um, used in this? Did, did he give drugs to George or George gobbled the drugs when Thomas Lane came to the car and uh, suffered an overdose? Would he have died if, he, if George had, had participated with the cops? Yeah, that was a long answer. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I I um thank you for expounding on all of that because the 
that is one of the stories, one of the many pieces in, in your interview that I had listened to that really stuck out to me as this person, um, because of what they know or what they may not realize that they know. Yeah. I want to say also that these, when I say that they compartmentalize and so not all the players, it's perfect to do a duty to intervene, which they designed. And the, and I came to that conclusion when I covered the federal trial that nobody's covered or knows about, where they were going granular. And it was the 573-page police manual that seemingly was on trial here and then damning these rookies for following their training or listening to their FTO, which is which is Derek. Um, So, you know, listening to Maurice, that they took his son away, that they brought in all these charges. I was sending the mom information about BLM. I was telling, I sent her information about about, um, communism and using using racial war. It's, It's been, this divide of races has been in motion for, a long time. She's an older woman. She was open to it, but I did tell her that maybe it's not a good idea for Maurice and I to speak. And um, since then, I I haven't heard from Maurice and he's still in jail, you know, and he wants his son, you know, and then I also told the mom, I've been looking at blood and this whole mess with unvaccinated blood and this whole um there seems to be stuff going on with blood and also preying on poor communities for plasma and then sending the plasma to europe so Mm -hmm. i was telling her they're Mm -hmm. preying on black people poor black people and the next day i spoke to maurice from jail He's like, Mimi, when I get out of here, I'm going to start selling my plasma. And I was like, what? And so it's like, yeah, you really care? I called Benjamin Crump and I left him a message. Yeah, you really care about black lives? Why don't you give thousands of dollars to this family? They should, they, I believe they deserve money. Mm-hmm. Darnella Frazier has won a Pulitzer Prize for her journalism and raised $700,000 plus for her black life. The boy that made the call that nobody knows about the 911, no money. Chris Martin, who's still processing this, no money. Maurice, no money. Wow. Mm-hmm. Muted, Jackie. Terry, I think you had a question, Terry. Uh, yeah, I, I think Marion uh, answered a lot of things that was in my mind uh, once you were speaking there but I, there were a few things I heard about the case that I, I wanted her to comment on one was that George probably died from a fentanyl overdose yeah. rather than being kneeled on by the police officer right. maybe because he was trying to dispose of some drugs uh, as you uh, intimated there uh, second that, that him uh, George and the the Derek, the police officer, knew each other very well, and and maybe Derek was involved in some illicit drug dealing as well, which is maybe why they threw him under the bus. It's the a trial. money laundering operation by the Sinaloa <laughs> cartel. That's what I heard as well. Yeah. And, wow. Uh, I was wondering about that. Thank you, Terry. 
Yeah. And um, third, that there was a possibility that the Floyd family had been paid off, which was a sort of um, a pattern we saw from the the thing we're not allowed to talk about that Toons was mentioning. Uh, there seemed to be a lot of families paid off then to keep them quiet. Yeah, so, I have uh, proof that they're paid off. Yeah, and that's what I sit on, and uh, nobody could tell me what I I'm looking at. Uh, it's pretty disgusting because Maurice says he's like Mimi in black and white. I'm scum, and I told him, "You're right. I thought you were scum." Um, on in black and white, and but I was trying to tell him why he he said, regardless of what you think of me, wouldn't you want to meet with the person? who spent their last hours with your loved one? Hell yeah, I would. As far as Derek and George knowing each other well, I can tell you that I've tried twice on Craigslist to post an ad. If anybody has any information, and within half an hour, both time, the posts were flagged and removed. Now... There are people that say, well, there's no images of George Floyd ever working at uh, El Nuevo. I have his death certificate. And even though it's odd, they did put El Nuevo on there. And I know that Derek worked there based on the tax evasion court. So perhaps you know that in the beginning, David Pinney spoke to CBS for 50 minutes and said that they butted heads and that they had um, at least argued once over checks. Now I'd say to the public, yeah, how often does a place of establishment hire a convicted felon and a cop to work in the same place? So what's that about? Mm, but mm -hmm. nobody has come forward. So Penny went on camera and, and spoke about their relationship and then 24 hours later recanted it. So then I went to try to license the original video, but because it wasn't put out in the public, I was not allowed to license it. And now it's quite different when you want to license footage. Back in the day, I was able to scan myself into a, let's say, archival house or a news um, a news, a place of, there was another instance where I was trying to get some footage of Maya giving an interview with CNN. And I, they told me I had to pay for it first. How do I know what I'm paying? So they were ignoring me at first and then they gave me a hard time. And by the grace of God, someone in, in licensing, Miriam, I remember you, I helped sell you footage for vanishing of the bees. What do you need? Wow. That was like very, very, um, another, um, another amazing thing that has showed me, keep going, Miriam, for whatever reason, God has picked you to bring out the truth for whoever gives a crap about it for the history books, because now we are scribes. We are watching history before our very eyes by the ministry of truth, erasing, yeah. vaporizing, rewriting it. Crazy. Yeah. 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 100% and they are writing all this history now it looks like insanity to us uh, I'm thinking about you know the January date and I was things. there by the way and gave my footage ah, okay. to Rudy Giuliani how many people can say that <laughs> yeah okay 
Yeah, so they're, they're creating these they're creating these ridiculous comedies, uh, not so much obviously for now, but yes, for the history books. So as you say, we are all scribes now. We, it's up to us to set the history straight before it becomes concrete for the future generations. Because let's face it, it's only 15 years, isn't it, to own a generation, yep. according to the Soruses of the world and whoever. Uh, so, yes, well done. Good on you. Fantastic. Yeah. Do, you, do you find that you're... About, do you fi sorry, sorry, Star. Sorry, I was just Terry. saying James Corbett talks just, about the burning of the modern library of Alexandra going on at the moment because yeah, everything's been... I've been saying that since 2019. I said yep. this is the hmm. modern book burning of the uh, library of Alexandria. Yes. Uh, do you find, Mariam, that um, obviously you had a million questions when you started out and realised that there was something wrong. Do you find that you're actually coming to the, a pointy end where you're answering a lot of those questions or are you finding that you've more opened questions. a Pandora's box of more questions? That's a great question. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've certainly answered, gotten a lot of answers, but I believe in these psyops, these false flags, you're constantly chasing smoke and mirrors. And they're mm. banking on that because, I mean, during, I've witnessed so much information in real time. For So, for instance, I found something to suggest there was some payoff before George even died. And I called the courts and I called, um, I called everybody involved in these court documents. What am I looking at? I said. And then the PI, I spoke to him a couple of days ago. He can't find it either now. He only has a trace and he admitted to me and he works with a leading person in the SH that uh, AJ threw under the bus and didn't uh, call on as an expert witness, Jim Fetzer. Um, so he said that he himself, this PI, is, is scared because of what's happened with AJ and what does this mean to any of us? And I, I think this double whammy with Candace and this NBC Peacock series, you know, it really, um, it's been a hard month to licking my wounds and getting back up again, uh, because arguably there's uh, several figures in this docuseries Shadowland, but I am the most smeared in the sense that I represent real journalism and they, the whole, the whole series, they have me like, I'm giving a drive to Roger Stone. Here's my project. Would, uh, hello. The guy knew who, what I was talking about. They purposely cut out George Floyd. So you have me talking. I shared with them my trailer. I read from my book. I showed them my proffer letter from my publisher and none, none of it, none of the actual work to understand why is this chick canceled so much is discussed. I'm positioned as a emotional woman who is walking in the, in the shadow of her international celebrity boyfriend. Uh, meanwhile, I've made an award-winning film that's won tons of awards all over the world and was starring Ellen Page at the time. Uh, I, I've worked at MSNBC in loads of mainstream places. Are you kidding me? Yeah, so, they're just doing their best to smear you. Yep. Yeah, and they promise. So me when, yeah, I'm sorry. I just noticed you said uh, Roger Stone. Is that just out of interest? 
any relation to the Oliver and the Sean Stones of the world or? No, I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. Do you know tunes? I doubt it. He used to work on. No, I just noticed Stone comes up. Infowars. He used to work on mm-hmm. Infowars and then he with Alex Jones and, you know, he's attached to Trump and a bunch of other stuff. Okay. But it's coming up to six o'clock. I have oh, to tell wow. you, Miriam, yeah. I uh, was getting tons of chills throughout this. And oh. I know as devastating mm. as it is that um, the mainstream is really doing their best to destroy your name. Um, and I know that's really hard, but I have to be honest with you, like what tunes had said and regards to the rest of us that really know, like that the mainstream is full of shit and that to have someone who is countered against and have the media do everything they can to try to destroy when your book releases that you'll be come out on top of all this and make sure that you understand that at the end of the day, that it doesn't matter what anybody says, that your faith and God is going to be the one that he's the one putting all these people around you and covering yeah. you and protecting you and totally. the angels and stuff like that. So that regardless of any of that, it doesn't matter because the truth will come out and the people yep. that want to see it will see it. And the others that don't, they just won't, but that's okay because you did your part. Yeah. Thank you, sister. I'd like to speak to that point. I'd like to just say, I I chose to do this, right? Mm-hmm. I'm even though I've been victimized and I talk about my censorship, it's not what happens to you, but what you do with what happens to you. Right. So I was mm. anticipating, I know people constantly, if I could bottle my passion, I'm just being myself. And people are always like, I love your passion. I'm just being me. I know I'm yeah. authentic. I'm not wearing effing face diapers on uh, masks on top of masks. However, they literally, this is the Atlantic, which I did not know. Nobody told me the Atlantic was involved, which is Tavistock CIA mm. and NBC. Mm. Nobody told, they purposely, well, nobody told me it was the Atlantic. Two, they said to the media, because I've worked in Hollywood. That's where I started my career in LA, in Hollywood. They literally told the press not to publish our names. Now, how can I prove that? I know how it works. You send out a wire and then all these alternative media will reach out to the effing people in the series. One, none of us were invited to their effing premiere. The premiere was brought to you by Pfizer. And (laughs) one journalist, could you believe it? The one journalist, supposed journalist, who used my name, published my name and Zach's name and purposely spelled it wrong so no one can find me. Rule number one as a journalist, spell the name. Mm. Yeah. So as we close out, uh, sorry, Stella, as as we close out, is there anything, um, last thing anyone would like to, you know, say to Miriam, just keep it quick if we can. And then Miriam, if you just want to close us out with any last thoughts, and then we're going to redirect them back to your GoFundMe page. Yeah, I definitely not GoFundMe. It's Gifts and Go. GoFundMe is Gifts and uh, Go. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, definitely not a GoFundMe. I've been banned from GoFundMe since 2019. Give, send, go. I have it sharing on here as everyone closes out. Um, Yes, I really quickly did uh, just want to say 
thank you so much for taking your time. I know that you're super busy and thank you for taking the time thank to you. talk to us. I mean, we know we're unknowns. That's, that's the thing, right? But we I don't really care so much your time, your work. I was totally, and I have immersed myself in, in much of this stuff, right. For a long time now. And I was totally blown away by so much of what I heard you talking about. And I, I believe truly that your work is the Lord's work. I mean that we, we have talked about in this podcast that we are in a sport, spiritual warfare right yes. now. hundred percent. And so in telling the truth that I know you're not a victim because telling the truth means that you are strong because of everything that you have sacrificed to do that. And you are not stopping. And it's so important. And I, I appreciate it. Just everything. Thank you. So Thank much. You. Yeah. I don't really care if I speak to unknowns or, uh, I, I just am very grateful for for being given the voice and I thank God for giving me the gift of gab and uh, speaking because a lot of times when I'm doing my there's transmissions there are channels I, I don't um I'm not saying during an interview but when I'm doing a Facebook live or Instagram live just to get it out there I really believe a voice is speaking through me and uh, I am doing the work of God perhaps on the other side of all of this, we will realize this was all a test. And uh, for anyone yeah. whose faith, you know, my mom, I, I say this in interviews, my mom's like, Mary, do you pray to God? And I say, don't worry about my faith, mommy, because I didn't forsake it, didn't forsaken my God-given immune system for a jab from hell. And now you're vaccine injured with a permanent respiratory issue because you didn't believe me or listen to me. So we each have our karma and dharma. I wake up in the mornings and I say, please, God, use me. Let me be of service. I am an empath. Unfortunately, I feel deep and I am sad for humanity. I am disappointed at humanity. I strive for excellence, having almost died several times. And I encourage people to go within. I pray that people can cultivate self-awareness and mindfulness and say sorry to one another and look at their own shadow instead of projecting, projecting shit. But as we know, this is also empaths versus a whole slew of narcissists that are sociopathic. Yeah. And there seems to be no repercussions for their actions. So, yeah, I, I just encourage people to go within and find their own path and whatever gives them purpose in this world. And uh, I'll keep on trucking. I, I do lick my wounds. I'm human. Um, more so also yeah, in I this like, area. Yes. I'd just like to say, I, I just want to echo everything you just said there. I'm, I'm very aligned with how you feel there. So thank you and, and God bless you. And you're definitely going to be in our, in our prayers. A very good message. Yeah. Thank you both of all of you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. And we're closing out. Thank you, Miriam, for coming on. Please, please go to her link that we'll have in the show notes. Please donate to her fund and help her get this documentary completed because she has the truth. And without the truth, uh, we cannot prevail. So let's move forward in truth and have an amazing evening, everyone. Amen. Bye. So much. Thank you. 
Thank you. God bless. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Union of the Unknowns. You can find new episodes every week on all your favorite podcasting networks. 